0: We're continuing our series called The Passion. And we're looking at uh, the seven phrases or words that Jesus gave from the cross. Last week, uh, Eric Moody, our middle school lead kicked us off. And in fact, if you didn't get that, you can always grab that online. That's just a free resource that we always want to make available to anyone at any time. Uh, But he uh, went through some definitions uh, of what it means to be passionate or to describe what passion is. And he mentioned a strong and barely controllable emotion. And uh, Eric mentioned that uh, he is that person uh, when describing passion, and I couldn't help think uh, my three-year-old does that as well uh, when he was younger. Anyway, uh, the passion also he mentioned as a second dimension, which is the suffering and death of Jesus Christ. But I want to offer you a third definition that I believe combines the first and the second definition that we find from our Urban Dictionary. It says, when you put energy into something that's required to do it, passion is ambition that is materialized into action to put as much heart, mind, body, and soul into something as possible. So again, passion is ambition that is materialized into action to put as much heart, mind, body, and soul into something as possible. And so with that being the definition, I wonder what are you most passionate about? What are some of the first things that come to your mind? You can even talk to the person, you know, that's next to you, or you can even post, you know, online in our comment section of the things that you are passionate about. Now, I asked this question a few days ago uh, before all of this, you know, kind of took place. And here are some responses that I got from social media of what people are passionate about. Uh, They said things like fitness, watching sports, uh, uh, helping criminal justice reform, getting kids off streets, tacos, of course, foster care, adoption, ending abortion, debt-free living, family, dogs, by the way, no mention of cats, uh, cars, people with special needs, camping, connecting women or men to things spiritually, photography, massage therapy, coffee, uh, prayer, sleep, and Jesus. Not necessarily in that order. Uh, I know for me that uh, if you plan on being around here online or you've been around here, you know, at our services for the last couple of years, uh, there's some things that have come out of me. Probably you said, yeah, that's probably what he's passionate about. I hope that Jesus is one of those things Uh, that my family, uh, that Seahawks, you know, are one of those things as well. In fact, if you're watching from a different part of the country, Seahawks, God's team, just saying Uh, uh, our staff, I'm passionate about our elders and our church or even the church itself. Now, I do realize that there are some people who have a hard time trying to identify not what they're emotionally excited about, but based on this definition, what are we most passionate about? What is the thing, if you boiled it down, based on our definition, that passion is materialized into action to put as much heart, mind, body, and soul into something as possible? How do you know what you're most passionate about? And all of a sudden it dawned on me and it's very clear in light of the story of Jesus on the cross and here is the way what are we most willing to suffer for reveals what we are most passionate about again what are we most willing to suffer for actually reveals what we are most passionate about think about it for a second and you'll see this to be true in your life for example think about your marriage. Those of you who've been married for a few years, uh, it may be up and to the right, but here's what I know, that I have caused some suffering and some pain in my wife's life. And yet she still chooses to stay with me. Why? Because she's passionate about us, about our marriage, and about our family. So she's willing to go through suffering and pain because of her passion and her love for me. Or maybe kids, Right? How much pain and suffering have you gone through with kids? If you haven't yet or been around them, I promise you, you will. But yet, because of your passion for them, you're willing to go through major amounts of suffering out of your love and your care. What about your job? For some of you, you put great and long hours. Many times without the pats on the back or even the pay that you should be given because of the passion you have. I mean, I know uh, many uh, businessmen or women or teachers or those in the medical field, even right now, who they work so many hours, extra hours that evens what's required. And they go through lack of sleep and putting up with a lot of different people and issues and circumstances. And you ask them, why do you do it? They said, because I love kids. Or I love to care for my patients. That's why I do it. Hobbies. Right. This is a good one. Think about some of the hobbies that you have. Uh, Some of the pain that you're willing to endure. Uh, Some of you who are runners, half marathoners, uh, Ironman, you're nuts. But you still do it. Like, why do you put your body through that much pain and suffering? In fact, uh, uh, many of you people in our area, uh, maybe outside the area as well, are hunters. And when I talk about... Uh, a hunting expedition or at a time that you have gone hunting. This is typically uh, what I have heard from a lot of hunters. Well, I hiked for hours in the driving sleet or rain. I was willing to sleep where it was almost freezing. I stood or sat in a tree stand for hours on end. And if I just so happened to shoot an elk or deer, it took me six to nine hours to pack it out. I'm like, Why? Why would you do such a crazy thing? It's because of your passion. See, with the amount of suffering that you're willing to go through will prove to you and give evidence to what you are most passionate about. So if passion is ambition that is materialized into action to put as much heart, mind, soul, and body into something as possible, and what we know is that what we're most willing to suffer for reveals what we're most passionate about, I wonder if you can identify what that is. Because Jesus was able to, when he was on the cross, it wasn't the cross that kept him there, but it was Jesus and his passion for us. See, Jesus is most passionate about you and about me. In Luke 19, 10, he tells us, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That was the overwhelming emotion. That was his drive, but it was materialized. It was proven in action in John 3:16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave, he sacrificed his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life like this is probably the most evidence that I've seen in our Bibles in the Old Testament Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 says, but Jesus was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be made whole and he was whipped so we could be healed. So we're looking from at these sayings from the cross, but I don't want us to miss the reason that Jesus was there on the cross was because of his passion. He was willing to go through that suffering. And what's also fascinating is that when we go through suffering, what comes out of our mouth also proves what we're really most passionate about. Think about the times that you've gone through suffering and where were the things? What were the things that came out of your mouth? And you'll see it was actually evidence a proof of what you're most passionate about. And so if you have your Bibles, if you could turn with me to Luke chapter 23. And we're going to be looking at verses 32 to 43. Uh, Again, uh, we're not going to show this part on the screen because I I want to encourage you to to get involved in a YouVersion Bible app. You know, it's readily available. It's free online. If you have a Bible, just go ahead and open it up, you know, as a family or even by yourself, wherever it may be. So you can see these words for yourself. But in Luke 23, verse 32, the story starts out as this. Two others, this is when Jesus is on the cross, both criminals, were let out to be executed with him. When they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing, which is what Eric addressed last week. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him. If if you're really the king of the Jews, then save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words. This is king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God? Even when you have been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said in verse 42, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you'll be with me in paradise. See, while Jesus is hanging there and he's going through suffering, he still has enough care and love and his passion has proved that in his suffering, he's focused even on other people. See, I don't know about you, but let me be honest. I'm going to throw my my man card kind of out there on the table. When I get sick, I actually like to be babied. Now I know right now there are many spouses that are looking at each other and be like, yep, that's you too. I know my wife is shaking her head up and down right now as she's watching this. And the reality is, is that when I'm going through suffering, I have a tendency to focus on me which can be an indication of what maybe I'm most passionate about, and maybe you can say the same thing, but Jesus in an extreme moment of suffering where it would have caused every ache and pain in his body to push up on those nails while he was on the cross in order to even breathe wasn't saying, hey, don't bother me right now. I'm just trying to breathe. He actually looked at him and he engaged in this conversation once again, proving What he was most passionate about. Now this idea of Jesus' invitation to paradise. What what does that mean? His invitation to heaven. What's fascinating is that there's a theologian out there by the name of William Barclay who writes this. The, The word paradise is a Persian word that means a walled garden. See, when a Persian king wished to do one of his subjects a very special honor, he made him a companion of the garden. And he was chosen to walk in the garden with the king. It was more than immortality that Jesus promised the penitent thief. He promised him the honored place of a companion of the garden in the courts of heaven. How incredibly beautiful is that? What a picture that Jesus is offering to this thief who's on the cross. This criminal. Which in fact, I want us to take a pause and redirect for the rest of our time now Instead of just focusing on what Jesus was passionate about, I want us to take a look through the eyes and the minds of the two criminals represented, because here's what I would contend that you and I, at some point in our lives, find ourselves representing one or the other or even both. And I wonder if you can identify which one you might be more emulating, especially in this season of pain, this season of potential darkness of this season of potential suffering. What's fascinating is that Matthew and Mark describe these criminals as bandits or thieves, where Luke, which is where we're reading out in our New Testaments, just describes them as evil, which what he's saying is that these people represent us. So knowing that we are all criminals, the question is, which one do we represent? Which one do we represent? So let's look at the first criminal. You notice That the first criminal tries to find value and worth in people around him instead of the God beside him. He quickly joined the crowd. I mean, again, hard to even breathe. And yet even in that moment, his frustration, his pain and suffering caused him to join with the crowds in mocking and pointing to really really whether he is God or not. And how often have we said the same things? Let's be honest. I'm hurting, I'm suffering God. If you're really there, why are you allowing this whole coronavirus COVID-19 to happen? Why is this taking place? Why is this suffering happening? In fact, if you're really God, then you should be able to take this from me. Isn't that what the criminal is pointing to? And how often even by a show of hands have I done the same thing in my own life and yet. We are reminded that even in that moment of temptation, even in that moment of suffering, that we might be looking to Jesus as that we have a choice to respond differently. And the second criminal, we have a chance to see what he says. He finds hope through a prayer for forgiveness and salvation. Instead of focusing on his circumstance, he focused on hope of what was to come. And he said these two little words, remember me, remember me. And, and so he, he mentions again that I have been sentenced to die. We, he says, deserve to die for the crime. So this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, at first glance, I look at that as a plea and an offer of hope. But when you look a little bit deeper, you'll realize that phrase, remember me. Is actually included in so much of our Bibles. It's so much of an indicator of God's redemptive work. God's promise to bring us back to himself. Let me just give you a couple examples. In Genesis 8.1, that phrase comes back again. When God remembered Noah, the whole flood, which meant that God saved Noah and his family and the animals by bringing them through the flood. In Genesis chapter 30, verse 22, it says, God remembered Rachel... The wife of Jacob who had been barren for many years. When God remembered Rachel, it meant he delivered her from barrenness and gave her a child. He gave her life. Or in Exodus 2 verse 24, it says that God remembered his promise to Abraham. So God set set into motion the plan to rescue and deliver his people who were living as slaves in Egypt. And the list and example goes on and on and on. What a powerful phrase to be able to cry out, God, remember me. And in response and without hesitation, Jesus says, yes, because you have asked, because you have turned to me. Yes, today you will be with me. paradise. That's absolutely amazing because you think about it like I could done nothing to earn his place before God because I know there are some of you that are watching now that think well, there's no way God would accept me because of the things that I have done when I start to get my life together. Maybe then I can turn to God and he will look upon me, but that's not the example that we see here once again. Nope, there was nothing this guy could have done, which reminds me of a passage in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So on this day, when fear and anxiety and potential suffering is beginning to take place in your life and the lives of those around, which criminal will you choose to become? Will you be the one that begins to yell and pile on and hoard and be about the thing that you're most passionate about, which could be you? Or could you be like the other one that in all humility, just turn to God and say, God, I give you my life. I, I need you to lead me through this. And we always want to offer that because we're not experts at this. That's why we call our place Valley Real Life. We're on the same journey that you are. And my hope Is that my passion and your passion is really revealed through this time. That in a time of suffering, you and I will have the same attitude and heart as Jesus. To care for the things of Jesus, which as we have just talked about is us, is humanity. That we have a chance to say you're what's most passionate about to us. Not just me, but to extend that to other people. That's the challenge before us. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for our time together. And I do pray as, as families are gathering and groups are gathering and watch parties have been created in the coming days and weeks to come that we would emulate you. That we would reveal what we are most passionate about and that we would be about you and the things of others and that others may see by the good deeds, by the love, by the prayers that are offered, that you would show up in a tangible way through your people. God, if there's anyone who's watching right now online or other, in other ways, whether it's going to be online later, even this week. And if you're watching online, I would just ask you to pray this simple prayer. Pray this. Jesus, I give you my life. That's it. Nothing more than that. So we're going to close with a, an ending song, but we want to make sure we encourage you to keep texting in questions, keep connecting in small groups, keep being involved But as you hear this song and as you engage this song, may it ring true, not just in your hearts, but in your mind, soul, body, and strength, that it becomes a passionate part of who you are as it is with me. Thanks so much. Let's go ahead and sing now.
1: I love you. Till I lay my head, oh, I will say of the goodness. good